And we can't let that happen. We just can't let that happen on this podcast because we are for the people. At the end of the day, the guy's a hell of a player. Beyond nails. That is the hardest part three of the PJ Tour. It's a, it's a hybrid, three yeah. iron or four iron every day. It's for the people. You're the last group off, off a split T horseshoe on number 10, and you do a happy Gilmore. What the hell's wrong with that? Well, it is our second episode of the week on For the People here this week. It's just your two favorite golf idiots here talking about golf. And who the hell else knows? I don't know. We're going to try to figure it out for the next hour. But we did have a pod with Grayson Murray this week. We dropped it, and we've been getting some quite interesting feedback on the Grayson Murray pod. Why don't you just go ahead and tell the people here some of the reviews that we've gotten on the Grayson Murray pod, Colleen. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've obviously had some good ones. It was an epic, ep- epic pod for sure. Grayson Murray, without a doubt, is pretty straight shooter, but Aiden 7X, uh, you know, ton of followers he's got. He's a sports betting guru, it appears, but, you know, he's like my synopsis of the Grayson Murray pod. He won Barbasol, Barbasol, hung over as fuck three out of four rounds, withdrew after two holes at the Greenbrier when his mom drove over five hours to watch him in person, tried to bang his caddy's girlfriend. Says Wolf got 40 to 50 million to leave and PJ Tour stars, he says, getting paid under the table. And I said, don't forget, also Bryson called him the crazy one in the group. So that's a little synopsis of that so far. But dude, Grayson, he's going to tell you how it is, man. Like I was almost like, bro, don't go there. Don't go there. Like, I mean, let's freaking let's pull it back just for a second because I didn't know where it was going to lead. But he was making it happen. And I think, you know, him kind of, you know, going not going to rehab for drinking and things like that. I think really he's not afraid to talk about his past and all the dumb shit that he did. Not saying he may not do dumb shit in the future. You never know. Everyone's human here, but he sure was an open book. Yeah. I think a lot of the reviews and the comments and commentary we've gotten on Grayson Murray is that what was refreshing about him is that he's relatable. And so when you've seen him and you haven't heard his stories and you haven't heard his experiences on tour and all you do is watch his Twitter feed and watch how he said in his own words, himself defending himself all the time, right? That's all. That's what he, that's why he keeps deleting Twitter twice a month is because all he feels like he does on there is defend himself. And so it was refreshing to most people that actually may have not liked him. And I've gotten this in my DMs on Twitter and Instagram is that, yeah, I hated that dude beforehand, but your podcast made me feel as if he's been misunderstood this entire time. And that's true. I think he has been misunderstood the entire time. Big heart on that guy. I think we did a decent job, as good as two idiots can do, of kind of making him seem more relatable to the average guy. And that's that's we didn't really intend on doing that. We just wanted him to come on and tell some stupid stories that people are going to laugh about. And that's what he did. And he just told his experiences, which in my opinion, makes him a lot more relatable. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know he went to Arizona state. He went, I was like, I didn't know he went to ASU. And I looked at his bio. He went to three schools, I think, but he was at ASU with Brom. Somebody was popping off. They're like, Oh yeah. You know, and they maybe assumed it was PGA tour. Obviously Rom is nails right now. Number two, I guess in the world of Scheffler, but you know, he's like, Oh, you beat Rom half the time. Yeah. Right. Bullshit. I mean, dude, in college, you're playing against each other like every single day. I can see that really at any school, somebody beating somebody half the time. Not talking PGA right. Tour events, but that shit happens all the time. I, I think, I didn't know he was 28, first of all, and right. got his card super, super young. But 
you know, he's been beat up a little bit as far as, you know, injuries and other things. Um, but yeah, man, playing golf, you know, at 22 years old on the PGA tour and, you know, it's six years later, he probably seems like a vet. I mean, I'm not a good example, but cause I played like corn Ferry tour for four full seasons before I got on the PGA tour, but I was like 29 my first year and I felt pretty young. I couldn't even imagine like 22. You know, so it's like, it's a totally different, I mean, 22 and you're making over a million bucks a year, you're going to probably do some dumb shit. Maybe not all the time, but there's a good chance if you're single 22 millionaire, your threshold for dumb shit is a lot higher than somebody that's uh, probably married with kids that's around 30. Yes, that's probably a fair statement. That's what I think about the NIL deals that these kids are getting. Some of these kids, the NIL, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, five-star blue chip recruits like Arch Manning. Arch Manning just committed to Texas. Okay, Arch Manning yeah. is the grandson of Archie Manning. He is Cooper Manning's son. Why, by a lot of account, by most accounts, the Manning family's personal you know, opinion of Cooper, Cooper was the best athlete of the three boys, Cooper was a wide receiver. He got hurt a bunch, couldn't play. But by all of their accounts, Cooper Manning was the best athlete of the Manning family. So this is his son, Arch, who just committed to UT to play quarterback because UT was probably the only school that could afford him that had, or maybe A&M, maybe A&M and UT. I don't know what his deal is, but it's in the, got to be in the millions of dollars as an 18-year-old stepping on college campus for one, you know, his first season, he's a millionaire. Like, what kind of dumb shit could you get into in Austin, Texas with millions of dollars as an 18-year-old? Lots. Lots of dumb shit. I mean, you know, I he maybe he's the first uh, five-star ever to go to Texas. Uh, I'm just kidding. Obviously, people go there. That's where five-stars go to die, basically, on the football team, I think. That's right. That but, is correct. You know, that is univer- whatever. I, a lot of had to do with it. He could probably play right away. I mean, they're a total dumpster fire right now, although they got Patterson. Patterson will probably keep them together and be nails. But, yeah, a lot of that is he'll go somewhere that's nostalgic. He knows he can play. He's who knows what his NIL deal was. It's not like his family was hurting for money anyway, but you know, five star, five star pedigree type deal is a real thing. Like I remember when Peyton, after Peyton had been in the league a couple of years, Eli came out and everybody was like, they wanted to get him so bad. And I, and you know, he went to Ole Miss and Ole Miss wasn't that good with him. Like they were probably a middle of the road SEC school at best <clears throat> at the time. And I'm like, what the hell is this? But dude, there's something to the pedigree. Like they just know the game. There's a fundamental like understanding of it. So, I mean, this kid, obviously, I bet you his football IQ is off the freaking charts talking with his uncles, Super Bowl champs and everything else. So that was obviously a big get for them. And they're just surrounded by five stars all over the place there. So I guess they'll be pivoting. I don't even know. Are they one more year in the Big 12 or two more years? They have. Before yeah, they pivot one, to SEC? They have two more years. Yeah. Two more years. Yeah. So, so 2022, he's, so he's going to play half and, and then half. 2024 is their first season in the SEC. But yeah, he's going to play. He's going to play half and half. And that's something for him. Austin, Texas. All right. You go to UT, whatever. You're five star. They get plenty of five stars every year. I mean, when's the last recruiting class they had that didn't have a five star? And it had to be. Has to be ten years. I don't. I don't know. But they have nothing to show for it. These five stars. Yeah. They sign with Texas. They think they're all hot shit. They show up on campus and they graduate as a two star. Like they they just get worse for whatever reason. It might be the arrogance level down there. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But they don't develop players at all. On the flip side, you know, you got a program like TCU who can't recruit a five star because none of them want to go to TCU. 
They go as three stars, and then, you know, they turn out one or two players every year in the NFL draft. Yeah, sure. Texas, you know, they'll put, they didn't have any this year. None. They had zero NFL draft picks this year, but usually they'll have one or two just lucky fall through the cracks and make the NFL. But anyway, yeah, that's Arch Manning. Arch Manning, millions of dollars, NIL. Same thing with Grayson Murray. Grayson Murray was a millionaire at 22 years old. He admitted he did a bunch of dumb shit. Who doesn't do dumb shit when they're in their 20s? And it makes it a lot easier when you have $2 million in the bank. Yeah, no, absolutely. You figure like these five stars, even if the team is horrible, like if you're a five-star lineman and you're 6'5", 330, and just a unit, even if your team sucks, usually just like physical ability, you figure someone will get drafted. So them not getting anyone drafted in the NFL draft is unreal. The smartest thing they ever did was get Gary Patterson because kind of like you said, in a backhanded compliment kind of way, like he turns <laughs> two and three stars and he turns two and three stars into five stars. Like every year they'll have a first round defensive pick and, you know, maybe they'll actually listen to him. So the smartest thing they ever did was actually was actually hire him. He'll, I don't know if he's going to run the program secretly or he's like a liaison to Sark or whatever the hell it is, but God, it makes me sick seeing him in the UT colors, know, but hopefully he has, he, hopefully he has himself a day right there. And then who knows TCU SMU, Sonny Dykes has done a hell of a deal with SMU. They've been more than relevant after, you know, sanctions and everything that they've gone through. They've been a nails football program for sure. But we talked about the NIL thing and I don't know how it's going to work for golf. A majority of these NIL athletes, they'll have like a food sponsorship, like some local restaurant might be like, hey, bro, you know, you can eat here for free in college. Just like do a commercial for us once a year or like put your tag us on social media. I think you get a lot of that stuff more than like just the dollars and cents or whatever. But I, it looks to me as if it looks to me as if golf wise, you know, maybe some booster instead of football, he wants to pay, start paying a kid a million dollars to go to school. It's just weird for golf because it's way easier to turn pro because the game's at a closer level than it is, you know, NFL basketball. They can skip, well, yeah, obviously, you got but years, NFL, right? yeah, NFL, like you have to develop, like 18 year old kids aren't playing in the NFL. I mean, maybe they are, but that's pretty raw basketball they can make it work but i feel as if golf 18 and 19 they were seeing more and more kids potentially play pro and that's why some of the nil nil stuff doesn't pan out because someone might sign them to go pro instead and that's just might as well get their career started yeah i think the nil deal has a lot of kinks to work out because the thing that bothers me the most about it is so you look at an a&m right you look at the squabble that the squabble that jimbo fisher and nick saban had that was the most entertaining shit ever for two months these last couple months where they just went after each other nick saban said that they were they bought their entire recruiting class and then jimbo lied about it and said they didn't and they lied back and forth that's all that was just a bunch of lies but regardless they had the number one recruiting class in the country this year they did buy them that's a fact but if i'm an a&m booster and i'm giving an 18-year-old kid, half a million dollars to come play for Texas A&M. And then he has the option after one year, if he has a great year, and someone else from another booster from another school offers him more money and then he leaves, how am I feeling about my $500,000 investment I just made in this kid a year ago? Like, that's the yeah. worst part. I think there should be some sort of commitment there for you know at least a couple of years where these guys aren't getting bent over if they give half a million bucks away, especially as a booster, but... We'll see how it pans out. I mean, it's definitely professionalizing college athletics. and I don't really hate it. I don't love it. I'm just not sure how it's going to work yet. 
Yeah, it's the reason why it's not good is there's no there's a professionalism component to it. And I understand that it's an amateur sport. However, like other professionals getting paid in other sports like football, baseball, basketball, there's salary caps like there's very strict rules like there there are schools. It it just creates a bigger separation, a separation gap like the Pittsburgh Pirates or whatever in the New York Yankees. They're both major league baseball teams. Is Pittsburgh going to be low on their payroll every single year? For sure, I'm pro- they, they probably will. But at least there's like limits, right? It's not like, I mean, we're compared to some of the schools, we're talking like comparing the Yankees to almost like a T-ball team as far as yeah, money that right. they can spend. Like, mm-hmm. like Alabama, LS, I mean, all these guys can spend a lot of money. And sometimes the boosters will be like, all right, maybe they'll say, all right, we got five million bucks you know, this for this recruiting class for you guys for every sport. I don't know what the hell it is. What are you going to do? Who are we going to get? Are we going to go after one guy, put all our eggs in one basket and hope he's good? Kind of like an NFL draft deal and hope he does is not a bust. Like, what are, what are they going to do? So, you know, boosters want teams to be relevant. And the more competitive your conference is, like, you know, SEC, all the big ones. You know, SEC the in the Big 12, just because that's where we went. But they want you to be competitive. And they're going to be pissed if you're not. And I think they're realistic, like competitive for, you know, Kansas football is way different. But guess what? They're going to spend all their cheddar on Kansas basketball to make sure that they're the best team, like in Mm -hmm. college basketball every year. So I think they're pretty realistic with that. You know, we try to, there's a couple, Texas Tech here in Lubbock, they've got some nails kids. In fact, they had the best player arguably in the country, Ludwig, and I was looking at some NIL stuff just because I was wondering, and there's, I don't think they have foreigners out, you know, obviously I'm talking outside the United States can even participate in the NIL. Really? Somebody was telling me because of some tax, it's a tax deal. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Like this is dumb as shit. Why couldn't you know they get what a I mean? green card like, and just act like they're getting a job while they're in college? They sounded like they were working on it because this was an issue, but you know, the, they just they push these kids to the wayside because most of this NIL stuff is basketball, college basketball, and football. And I know there's a lot of foreign foreigners in NBA professional basketball, but there really aren't a ton in college basketball. And they don't care. It's mostly America, especially football. Like how many, every single team, 99% of the kids are born in the United States, right? Mm, so, right, but yeah. these other sports are kind of getting hosed. But yeah, man, I mean, professional golfer about, you know, number one in the whole entire deal in college. I'm not going to say you're a shoe in to succeed as a professional, but that's somebody that you'd like to support or whatever, especially if they're local. Right. I mean, shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you, how, what if you were at LSU and like, you know, obviously you played well there and the second best guy and it happens all the time in college. And in fact, I think college might be the highest percentage of probably kids outside the United States on teams. What if the other kid that was just as good as you, or maybe you guys are the same, he's better. You got this fat NIL NIL deal and he couldn't even get one. Like he'd be fucking pissed, man. Yeah. But I think a lot of it has to do with the personality of the kid. Like nobody wants a dud, right? I mean, nobody wants to sign a dud to a deal and and someone that won't up it, you know, uphold their terms of the deal. You know, nobody wants a dud. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the talent's one thing, but nowadays in the world we live in, in 2022, like you got to bring it as a personality. If you're not a personality, you're not, you're just not going to get signed. Like, yeah, sure. You might be a world beater on the golf course, but if if I'd rather talk to a piece of sheetrock, then like, I'm not going to sign you. That's just how it's going to work. Right. So that's the NIL deal. That's pretty much what we think about that. Arch Manning, Grayson Murray, bunch of money, young kids, spending money, doing whatever, staying out late and 
having hookers over. I don't know what whatever else Grayson said he was doing. I don't know what's uh, hell. Yeah, we've got we've got the John Deere Classic this week. We've got the Live Golf this week. They both start today. We've already given you our picks for those. I think Nick Hardy. I think Grayson Murray brought a great point up with Nick Hardy. I think Nick Hardy's about to start playing really good. He had an eighth at the U.S. Open a couple weeks ago and had a second in the Web Tour last week. So. He's playing this yeah. week, and he's from Illinois. That's uh, I took him in like I took him in a matchup against Lucas Glover. That was my biggest bet this week. And Lucas Glover is the defending champ, and you know yeah. obviously he's got that's a good the A wave versus the C wave there. But we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, I think people like talk shit about the John Deere Classic really for no reason. It used to always be before the British Open, before guys went over or whatever, and some guys would take off, go over early. But dude, that course is fun as shit. I mean, did you like playing that? I thought it was fun. I thought they do the big dig. All the kids get to use all the John Deere equipment. It's, you know, rolling hills, bent grass, perfect condition. And it's a birdie fest without a doubt, but ton of variety, man. I had a, I had a fun, fun time at that tourney. Yeah, they, so in 2012, after I played good in the U.S. Open, didn't have status anywhere in 2012. uh, After I played good in the Open, Claire Peterson who is the tournament director for the John Deere Classic, reached out to me and gave me a sponsor exemption. And so I emailed them back and I said, Dear Mrs. Peterson, name was Claire, thank you for the sponsor exemption this week into the John Deere Classic. That was really cool of y'all. And I get there and Claire walks up to me and Claire is definitely 100% a male. And he was super nice and did not rescind his sponsor exemption that he gave me. But I was like, hi, I'm Claire Peterson. You can call me Mr. from now on. I was like, ah, shit. Well, I never, oh, made, the, never made the cut. Never made the cut at the John Deere. I missed it by one twice. But yeah, that, that place has an awesome little casino there. They've got a, they have probably yeah. the best Thai restaurant. Thai, if you like Thai food, there's a Thai place on the highway back to the hotel. It's on the north side of the highway. I can't remember the name of it, but that, that place had the best Pad Thai of anywhere on the entire PGA Tour schedule. Yeah. Did you ever read it? Duck City Bistro, I think it's called. Duck City. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. How good was that That place? place How good was that? Yeah. Yeah. They had this guy was a huge supporter of the tournament. And literally, if, and it didn't even matter who was with you, but if you played in the tournament, I think if he wasn't there, they wanted you to show your credential just to make sure, especially for someone like me that's unrecognizable. And he's just, they're like, oh, you're with the, I mean, Bill is, there's, I think I was with KP. He was caddying for Sabatini, me, KP, and, uh, and maybe Skillet came and Tash was there. (laughs) Freaking they, uh, the guy's just like, our dinner was like 700 bucks. He's like, oh no, we're good, man. Just tip your waitress. I was like, hell of a fucking deal. We've got the meat. You pick out your steak. You pick out your steak. Like the guy, what a freaking, I mean, just supported the tournament. It was fun. And that's like the small town, you know, it's a small town. It's called Quad Cities. There's like four cities next to each other. That's what they call it. That make up basically a bigger city but those smaller towns sometimes where everybody's going to certain places support the shit out of it bigger than a more than a bigger bigger city i would agree with that for sure those the smaller markets definitely love their love their golf moline illinois moline illinois hard to get to i remember it was it was the week after greenbrier and you want to talk about a pain in the ass tournament to get to you try getting from bumfuckville west virginia to davenport iowa it's impossible. Yeah. You have to either drive there and it's like a nine hour drive or whatever it was, or you hop in a plane or hop in a car, drive to Raleigh, which was two hours, then hop in a plane to Chicago, then connect there. Either way, it was going to take you nine or 10 hours. That was the only tournament of the year that I paid for private planes. That was the only one of the whole year because it was just the worst 
getting from point A to point B on that one. I didn't fly private. I was the guy that was in 35E back in the bathroom on Delta every time. But that one right there, I'd splurge on and, and average it out for the year. Yeah, I, they'd always have it like, I think I MC hammered at Greenbrier and it was the same week. And then I went, I don't remember what I did. I went home, so it didn't matter. But yeah, there's a couple dicey ones like that. I mean, think about the caddies, bro. The caddies, they're like, oh, nine, it's only a nine hours to the next tournament. They're like <laughs> licking their chops. They think yeah. that's the easiest shit like on the planet. Oh, yeah. we'll dr- After we finish tonight at seven o'clock, we'll just knock out six hours and finish it up in the morning. Be fresh as fresh as a daisy. That's what kind of pussies we are as players you know high maintenance but that's it yeah they feel like refreshed god it's only nine hours i mean these bastards literally drive across the country they do i remember there was a tournament in boise on the uh, tournament in boise the web finals it was boise was uh, the first one and then the second one was in jacksonville florida and these caddies it was like a 20 something hour drive they finished on sunday and one of them hired rented like a 10 passenger van all of them piled in there and they those fuckers showed up the next month like the next day 24 hours later didn't stop at all like they're just the road warriors and caddies caddies don't get enough appreciation sounds like they are on the lift tour sounds like they're getting taken care of pretty damn well on the lift tour but on the lower circuit the b league pga tour tournaments like the john deere classic no, no not quite the same yeah it's a little it's a little different there What's up for the people fam? We're super excited to have Gooder Sunglasses as a sponsor for the entire year. Gooder Sunglasses, every pair 25 to 35 bucks, 100% UV protective, 100% polarized, and they make great golf specific lenses. They make brighter lenses. They make a dark lens called Back Nine Blackout. That's my favorite for multiple reasons. So go ahead and head to www.goodr.com insert code FTP 15. That'll get you a nice little discount. Also free returns within 30 days, one year warranty, free shipping over 50 bucks. So go ahead, get yourself a couple pair of gooders and have a day. Hey guys, we all know golf is hard, but looking good on the course definitely doesn't have to be. Our guys at Live Forever Golf promote a comfortable lifestyle on and off the golf course. They've got polos, golf shorts, five pocket performance pants, outerwear, activewear, a bunch of cool t-shirts, bunch of cool hats. You can go to liveforevergolf.com. And remember, remember, it's for the player, not the game. So use code NAILS20 to get yourself 20% off. Liveforevergolf.com, their nails, check them out. So the live tour this week, right? Is it Pumpkin Ridge? And I played there. We had a Corn Ferry Tour event. It was a regular one. It was before they moved the final thing there or whatever. Or maybe it was the last regular season before the playoffs. That's what it was. Have you played Pumpkin Ridge before? It's. I think no, it's an unbelievable it's course. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's. it That's was made famous really because... Yeah, Tiger Woods won his last U.S. Amateur there. Super come from behind his third consecutive U.S. Amateur. And he, our sixth consecutive USGA title after three junior AMs. But it's awesome, dude. It's This is the kind of the event really they would have to have there because logistically it's probably 40, 30 to 45 minutes maybe from downtown Portland. Not crazy far, but it's far enough out. There's not any hotels close. So, you know, they're going to get a gallery, obviously, but it'll be like a tighter vibe. I think there's maybe two courses, but really there's a lot of eye candy as far as golf hole eye candy on TV. Like really cool, like 
ponds and rivers and you know it's, it's kind of some holes weaving through the woods some crazy breaking greens it's a good it's a perfect type of event to host there and if you guys haven't seen pumpkin ridge on tv you should check it out it'll be nails yeah today at one o'clock thursday yeah one oh, o'clock stream streaming season today shotgun start season yeah I, I, you know did you see norman's dig at the tour yesterday Oh, yeah, but I guess he deleted it. I saw it. That's what I said. The shark woke up this morning and shows violence, man. And I was yeah. like, just you like apples? leave it up there. Don't delete it. Yeah. You like <laughs> apples? How about them apples? But I was, I mean, and then I'd love to see Jay go tweet something or whatever. Get him going back and forth for a second. Oh, dude, I forgot to tell you. I wake up this morning. My Twitter account's locked. And Again? Whatever. It's a, <laughs> yeah, this is a once a week habit at this point. And it was for something that I filmed on ESPN. So like whatever the show is in the morning, like I'll turn on TV, ESPN, and it's it's Mike, it's Greenberg's show. I don't know what it's called, Wake Up or Get Up or some shit, but they had the golf cart flying into the lake. So I, it's on ESPN. It's I'm not watching the golf tournament. It's on ESPN, and I show Greeny talking about it, a video, and I'm like, this proves ghosts are real or whatever, and the PGA Tour takes it down. I didn't even film. I mean, it wasn't a golf shot. It was nothing. It was a golf cart driving in the lake that was on ESPN with Greeny analyzing it. I was like, what? I go, this is turning into just a giant pile of bullshit, basically. It's like, why wouldn't anyone want someone to see that? That's freaking, that's that's funny. I'm not stealing a video and re-recording it. This is just this on e a golf cart driving in a lake on ESPN. I mean, come on. So you're telling me that after ESPN had that video and sent it out to 5 million people, the 150 yeah. people that saw it on your feed. Uh, uh no, sorry. Those people can't yeah. see it. The millions on ESPN though, they're totally fine. Yeah. Stupid. They're totally fine. And I, I don't know, dude, it, like, and I don't even, I won't even screen record PGA tour shots anymore. Cause whatever they'll, people get pissed and all this, but the problem with this is it had like 3000 likes and like a 290 retweets or something. So I'm sure people saw it, but it was on ESPN, literally had the ESPN graphics with like something down below, like, you know, hockey score for the finals or whatever the hell it was. And I was like, what is, dude, what is happening? Like, we're trying to like grow with content and all these other things. And it's not even a golf shot. We're not live streaming the last group from our TV comment, commentating on it ourselves. This was a freaking highlight or low light, if you want to call it. That was funny as shit. I mean, give me a break. I think if Jay Monahan really wants to defeat Greg Norman once and for all. He will go down to Potavidra Beach, get a half, maybe a three-quarter chub in a short little bathing suit and run down <laughs> the beach with his dog. I think if he wants to do it, that's what he's going to have to do. This has come to that. We have resorted to primal tactics at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's just – if you've got a piece like the shark, you're more than likely – You've got a trump card in your pocket, literally, at all times. So not sure what will transpire with that, but that's basically what happens. So I tweeted something yesterday, and it was just like, I was just, you know, we love like Pat Perez. Like, he's an awesome guy. I think the majority of guys out there like him. Yeah, and friend of the pot. He's honest, friendly guy. Like, he's encouraging, you know, whatever. He'll He'll drop F-bombs left and right on the course, break a couple clubs, but he's human. He's 46 years old. Played out there for 24 years or whatever it is. And, you know, obviously got some money up front to play the live. When we talked to him, he was he was kind of struggling to keep his card. I'm not saying like, you know, he's playing horrible, but he had to play a lot. He had to play a shitload to keep his card. And he ended up doing it, making the playoffs, all these other things. Anyway, 
to make a long story short, I said, Hey man, happy for this guy. I paid his dues. You know, I think he has respect from his colleagues and you know, most people that have brains are like, yeah, yeah, that's fun. I, you know, I'm sad. I can't yeah, watch rational tour, PJ tour goes. Yeah. And people mm-hmm. are like, first of all, you get the political people. It doesn't matter. And then, and then people are like relevant. How is he relevant? I don't know. Some no talent ass clown, a bunch of guys, bunch of guys. Or I said, he still has a bunch of game. He's 46 years old, keeps his card every year on the PJ tour. He's ranked 168th or 70th or whatever in the world. And then people are like talking shit like he has no game. I mean, he's 46 years old and the 170th best golfer in the world. I was like, where are you ranked like in your job? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, let's see that. If I was the 170th, you know, whatever my job was, and if it wasn't some like niche thing where, you know, I'm a where, underwater where basket where weaver or something. Where there's 200 of them in the world. Yeah. 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 Right. Thousands and thousands. And somebody was popping off and then they're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm like, no, it, that's not the case right there. If we're going to talk about niche things, it's like I'm ranked number one in the world of professional golfers on my street. Like, I mean, hell of a deal, <laughs> right? Like, fuck, I'm number one. Here I go. But I mean, we're talking worldwide stuff. That's like, that, I mean, that's ridiculous. Ton of game, especially 46 years old. You know, I, I don't know how obviously pension and all these other things, I guess he resigned his membership. Some people ask that that's a logical question, but I'm assuming these guys are still getting their full retirement because yeah, his after playing for 24 years, his has to have, his has to be, you know, stockpiling pretty high. Yeah. And you can start pulling from that at 45. So he possibly could have been already pulling from pulling from his pension last year at 45 on the PGA Tour. And that we do got to give the tour credit in one in one their their retirement plan. If you can make it five years on tour, that's what it is. It's five years. All right. Five in yeah, 10 so years. Have, yeah. If you can make it five years, you will probably more than likely be set for the rest of your life. It is a hell of a deal on their retirement plan side. But five years is super hard to do out there. I don't know how many, what the percentage of guys that get their PGA Tour card and then end up playing five full years in 10 years, because you got to play 15 tournaments for it to count as a year in one year. I don't know what the percentage of guys that make it to that is, but it's got to be less than half. It's got to be less than half of the guys that get their card because that's super yeah. hard to do. But if you're able to do it, like Pat Perez has been, then it's a hell of a deal. I mean, he's probably got 10, 15 million in, in his retirement account with the tour. So either way, he was going to yeah. be fine as long as he doesn't spend $2 million a year until he di- until he dies. But the live just makes it even a little more comfortable for him. And I can't, you can't blame him yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Best PGA tour is the best retirement in sports. I think we talked to like Woodhead's been on here before and NFL. It's a little different because they get huge money up front in their contracts, but Without a doubt, PJ Tour is the best retirement if you qualify for it in sports. So, anyway, that's that. Credit to them for that. And then, you know, if even Phil, all these guys is stockpiled, which is is you know up really really high. But I'm I'm interested to see. So the Live Tour, obviously, you know, this week we've got today we've got Answer, Patrick Reed, Matt Wolf. It's I mean that's a there are a ton more guys than even the last event and if they had three big names and i don't care what you say if you follow golf you know that abraham answer matt wolf pat perez everybody that follows golf like knows those three guys right and matt wolf Mm -hmm. is only 23 years old i did a deal with him it's like they're like the pj tour is going to miss him 100 percent. people are like oh there's so many up-and-coming golfers they won't miss him at all true there are up-and-coming golfers but he's arguably one of the best 23 year old golfers ever in the history of the PJ tour. Cause he's already won. He's comp- contended in multiple majors. You forget he's 23. He's got the beard. Yeah. It makes him look like he's at least 30. But Remember I was two like, years ago when he almost guys- beat Bryson in the U S open. I mean, yeah. he was final. Yeah, and then he contended. 
Well, and he might have been final group Saturday or something at the U.S. Open the next year at Torrey Pines. And he finished second this year. And, you know, I know he's been super streaky and he said he struggled like mentally, just putting a lot of pressure on himself, whatever it was. But I mean, it's freaking wild. wild. People like you can't even it's like the no, we've reached the no. I'm not using my brain portion of the program. It's like if you don't (laughs) know Matt Wolf or think they won't miss him, it's like, well, there's bigger names. Okay, there's 10 guys then. You just have to say, I'm only watching five guys a week. Okay, cool. There's 151 guys. Don't even watch then. It's like, shit, dude. Right. Some, these are big-time names. Like, oh, he's going to lose his card. He's not going to lose his card. Grayson talked about it last time. Grayson's won. He's literally going to have his card probably at least 50, at least some sort of card. He might not play every single event, but it's not like these guys are looking for jobs if they've won on the PGA Tour, especially a guy like him. So it'll be interesting to see if they're all still, you know, kept. I don't know if the Nike guys, if they've said anything about sponsorship-wise or whatever, but I saw there was a tour van on site. It was like a uh-huh. neutral, generic van to fix and repair clubs. It looked like people club companies were still shipping product left and right there, but I don't know, man. I don't know how that's going to go down with a lot of the sponsorship thing. Cause I saw Patrick Reed was sponsored by live. Like he was wearing live golf stuff. Yeah. You think so that I think additional, that had to be additional and you know, additional sponsorship in, 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 you know, in, in addition to his, to his like big massive deal he signed, I'm sure they're like, yeah. Hey, if you wear this stupid looking hat, with live golf on it, we'll give you another million dollars a week. And he was like, sure, sure as shit, I'll do that. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. What a hard hard decision that was. Yeah, some there's a, there could potentially be a huge sponsorship opportunity for somebody on that tour where it's some like niche company and maybe it's clothing, maybe it's, you know, not probably the clubs because it, it's hard to just start making new clubs out of thin air for a company, but maybe it's some, you know, business. I have no idea, but it's going to get a bunch of eyeballs. There's going to be opportunity if those guys mm-hmm. lose their sponsorship or if guys put them on pause. I think at some point there, especially if the product kind of works and more and more people tune in, they're like, all right, cool. Like, you know, now we know that we can still sponsor these guys, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of these big clump- companies already have contracts with the PGA tour. Like for example, Callaway might sponsor right. the leaderboard and Titleist. It might be on the website where every single person that uses the Titleist is by their name on the leaderboard. TaylorMade yeah, might and have you accidentally you know, some click other on that stupid banner. Every time I get yeah. on the PJ Tour app, I accidentally click on some stupid banner they have pop up on the leaderboard. I'm like, fucking hey, like figure this out. And stop, yeah. stop with the pop-up ads that I keep randomly clicking on when I'm trying to click on a player's name. Figure it out. Yeah. But they they all have contracts with theirs, so they obviously want to protect their contracts. But at what point for club companies is advertising just better? It's like why they're not really competing against themselves. <laughs> they're advertising on one and advertising on the other. It's like people that watch the Live Golf Tour play Titleist golf balls. People that watch the PGA Tour play Titleist golf balls. Well, shit, we're not really competing against ourselves. Let's let's just promote our product even more. So a lot of guys are you know they're just they're waiting to see kind of what transpires you know with everything. But I like the fact that you know we're seeing we're going to see the big, you know, bigger names, essentially the first event, we really didn't know what was happening. Like DJ was there. What's Ricky's deal. I thought he was signed or whatever. Is that still like not officially happened or is he not doing it? Have you heard anything about that? Well, I've heard that still being talked about. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky and maybe friend of the pod, maybe, maybe friend of FTP HV three goes over there. I've heard that I've heard Kokrak. What we can definitely say without a doubt in our minds about live golf is that they are getting personalities 
right? Remember when Ricky and I are the same age. Remember when Ricky came out 12 years ago and everybody wanted to talk about Ricky. That was it because he was the first guy that wasn't wearing khaki pants with triple pleats and cuffs and huge baggy shirts. He was the first guy that revolutionized kind of the look of the golfer. And he caught a lot of shit for it for years. And now what? Now what's everybody doing? Now what's everybody wearing when they go to the course? Outrageous looking bullshit. They've got khaki yeah. pants are not even seen anymore. No one wears khakis anymore. But Ricky started all that. Like people forget that Ricky was kind of a trailblazer 12 years ago on the modern golfer. And, you know, he's still relevant today. People are, oh, Ricky's not relevant. Hadn't been relevant for years. Bullshit. Ricky's been Puma's number one salesman until Bryson came along for eight or nine years. So yeah. I think it's as smart of the live tour to go after these guys that not only are they going to play great golf, their personalities, and they're going to talk to the media and they're going to put content on social media. That's not going to get pulled down by your, not even, they, they don't even say they're yeah. their employer. They're 1099. So they're pulling their shit down. It's not going to get pulled down or any of this dumb shit that's been happening on the PGA tour. So yeah, I think Ricky's probably going to go eventually. HB3 has been talked about. Obviously this is speculation at this point, but I do have to believe that they've been offered some massive dollars yeah. to go over there. Yeah, I think HV3, like him and MJ are boys. And I think MJ, he's he was sounded like he was going per a few articles, but now it sounds like he's not. Whatever, like we love HV3. We just hope he plays good golf wherever he is. But dude, like Ricky from a branding standpoint, let's say he goes there. I mean, and if I was running the live tour, I'd be like, dude, let these guys wear whatever they want. Like Puma, I'd be like, Ricky, we got this badass like new freaking board shorts. Wear these board shorts and a t-shirt. And freaking yeah. flip flops. Ricky would. Ricky's the kind of guy that would play in flip flops with like spikes on them or whatever, just because <laughs> it's would. like cool and different, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you're going to play what you play well, and you're not going to jeopardize that. Maybe flip flops is a little aggressive. However, it's like, yeah, bro, playing playing whatever you want. Like we're here, and people would watch that. Hey, dude, did you see Ricky? You know, shoot his whatever sixty three wearing the wearing a t shirt that's also like, you know, can wearing a t-shirt chilling and wearing board shorts that you can actually like wear on the course because they have belt loops and then you can go to the pool or whatever. I mean, it's just a whole new marketing and branding yeah. thing. So I, listen to this. Somebody was going back and forth on Twitter and it's there. I can't remember who it was, but they were, they had a great idea and you know, they have these team names and I'm just, whatever they came up with them. Maybe the team names change on live tour where it's, you know, fireballs, the niblicks, the stingers, whatever smashers. I don't know. But what if the club companies like kind of like F1 racing sponsored the teams where it's like, this is team Titleist. All these guys play Titleist. They wear all their shit. Mm. This is team Callaway. This is team whatever. Maybe mm. there's multiple teams, but it's mm -hmm. like, that's a good branding thing. It's like, you know, team Callaway's on fire this year. They've won, you know, this yeah. many and uh, it at least creates a branding. People are like, oh yeah, the Callaway guys, you know, they're, and they all play the shit and that would kind of be a cool, then it becomes more of like that F1 situation yeah, where they see that yeah same with nascar yeah this is team you know this is team callaway they have these guys titleist ping taylor made maybe there's some team where they're not where they're not you know golf club affiliated but they have a corporate sponsor you know just for example like team nike or whatever they're all wearing nike stuff they're playing whatever mm -hmm. they want but that's their branding recognition i mean that could be massive if anybody wants a team ftp We'll uh, probably pay for your bags. Maybe we might make you pay for them and we won't, we won't pay them. But if anybody on the live tour wants team FTP, we'll give yeah. you the logo and you get, you guys can wear all the shit. It'd be great. You, you can give you unlimited lemon. Perfect. If you want unlimited lemon, perfect. Well, yeah. you can be on team FTP, but that would be like, that would set, solve some of the commercial issues, right? 
So yeah. a lot of most of the PGA Tour's revenue is TV deals and commercials, right? And the Live doesn't have either one. They don't need either one. They don't really want to make any money on this yet. But if they decided they wanted to turn the spigot on and make a little bit of you know extra money, that would be a great way for them to do it without commercials and without a TV deal. That's a hell of an idea. Leave it up to Team Titleist or Team TaylorMade or Team Callaway, right? Or shit, even like Team Stifle. There's a shitload of guys sponsored by Stifle, whatever the hell yeah. Stifle, you know, something like that. Or Team FTP, right? And and it's all the guys that have been on For the People. We can definitely afford some of these live deals. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, what they're paying them is peanuts compared to what we can. I mean, if we ran the numbers, we could maybe sponsor someone for one shot for the entire year. One <laughs> for, shot that they year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd have to change into all yeah. their shit, tee off on the first hole, and then go back to their real sponsor at one random event, too. It's not even – and they're probably not starting on hole one. They're starting on hole 12, like which is way out in the boonies with nobody there seeing what's going on. But, hey, could be could be a hell of a situation. So the other, any sort of competition is good, but I bring this to, it, it goes back to drinking or whatever. The college baseball, I was thinking anytime, you know, they had the jello shots. You probably saw this all over the oh, social you media. Bet. Like, you bet. So like Ole Miss and corporations just started going up there and buying like a thousand jello shots at once. They were like $4.50. Seems like a reasonable price for that. <laughs> you know, 45 hunch, 45 hunch or whatever it is. They'd buy them and they'd say Ole Miss and it became a competition. Dude, any competition inside of a competition, like that's what you want. It's like, hey, we're team Kepka, team Kepka jello shots. I'll just open up stands <laughs> in every single place. Oh yeah, we're team fireball, like fireball shots let's you know give me 500 we're gonna win this competition what do you get for winning nothing you just lose a bunch of money and are stuck with a bunch of jello shots and the worst hangover of your life however it's a competition within a competition it's an amazing amazing thing that's you bring up a hell of a point there let's think about that for a second that jello shot board i posted a bunch of pictures of it as it was ongoing for the entire week of the college world series right i've probably posted 20 pictures of it here's the final tally Okay, the final tally, (laughs) Ole Miss had 18,320 jello shots. That is almost $100,000 from one team on jello shots in a week. 100 grand. Rocco's in Omaha, Nebraska, across the street from across the street from the ballpark there. They sold Arkansas. Shit, Arkansas had 10,000. They sold almost $200,000 worth of Jello shots alone in a week at $4.50 each. You know they're, you know everybody's rounding up to five, right? Everybody's rounding up to five for yeah. a tip. $5 a pop, $200,000 worth of Jello shots alone. Like that just, that just, their bottom line for the whole year was done in one week. That's a hell of a deal. We need to come up with something like that for FTP. What could we sell? Just just gouge just gouge these people for listening. What could we sell for five dollars that was worth I don't know, 50 like, cents? Yeah, I don't know. I mean jello shots is pretty good. I can't I gotta imagine that the margins on jello shots are through the roof. I mean, you can just buy the cheapest shit liquor that you've ever seen in your whole entire life. Go buy that instant Jello, which is essential. I think at the grocery store, it's literally free. Like it usually has prices. I think it just says like <laughs> buy zero get five free. It's like what it's advertised <laughs> at, and like you, your margins are just through the roof. I don't know. I, I mean, you can say that it's some. Um, 
I don't know, some follower, fan, whatever you want to call it, degenerate, whoever listens to our shit. But I mean, biggest degenerate, like, and people are really going to go. <laughs> I mean, that's a title to behold, biggest degenerate golfer. Some guy might be like, oh, that's Ooh. me, 500 shots Ooh. immediately. I want to prove what a loser I am. Perfect, man. That's your guy. <laughs> that is our fan base right there. We, we try to just, yeah. our fan base is so interesting to me. It's like people brag about how terrible they are at golf, how bad they are, their drinking problems. Like the award for the biggest loser goes to the biggest FTP fan out there. Like our, our fan base is something else. We got, we got to love them. Big open arms here. FTP fan. Yeah. yeah. Really every cart girl at any busy course really should have a shot. Like, group whatever the 10 16 tea time you know this is what they bought and you go there and you'd be with like your boys playing and be like dude the 10 16 tea time you know they bought 14 shots last time around let's buy 18 and they'll have our and like she's just got a little digital leaderboard on it or whatever like if you want to make some money as a car girl that's pretty good right there yeah well what i've seen at shady here in fort worth what we do with our member guest is one of the one of the guys in the 19th hole, he'll drive around the entire final group in the final day with a massive dry erase board on the back and like updating hole by hole, you know, how the final three groups are doing, who's winning. And he'll change it. Like he'll get back there and change it. And then, you know, people are betting on it constantly. That'd be it. That'd be kind of a hell of a deal. You had a dry erase board on the back of the cart girl's buggy there. And she was constantly yeah. like, who's leading the shot? The like drinking game yeah. of the day on the golf course. Like that, that's that. There you go. There's your contest inside of a contest. Like you, what do you get for it? Nothing. What do you get for it? Nothing. But who cares? We won the drinking game today. Yeah. I mean, if you have this cart girl, that's a total smoke show and you know, you, you know, the, you know, she's bringing golfers out to the golf course and they're spending a bunch of money, making you money. I'd be like every day, I'd be like, Hey, we'll give away four rounds to the foursome, you know, that buys the most stuff or whatever. And there's a leaderboard. So they're incentive, the golf course, whatever, it's just free golf. And then, right. you know, they're going to spin a shitload the next time and hell of a situation. I mean, we're marketing geniuses, though. That's the problem. We just don't have enough time to go around and, and do all these things. But yeah, if you had the cart girl with the digital billboard or whatever the hell it was, hey, you know, you guys all get a free round of golf and you got to buy the most, you know, whatever. Meadowbrook jello shots or whatever the hell the Muni is driving around. I mean, Boom, I know perfect. this is going to be this is your scene, right? This is going to be your scene for the next whatever, however long you survive yeah. i don't know oh, yeah. years so yeah. so so tell me this though like golf <laughs> Hopefully courses longer we'll see golf courses they can't rely on greens fees and cart fees and twilight rates alone right golf courses have to have their food and beverage numbers pumped up to survive so as far as like red feather goes that y'all are building down there you've got to subsidize the golf the golf side with the food and beverage side what's the difference in revenue for the two like how much more do you have to make in the food and beverage to make the golf worth it well the golf yeah it just depends on your business model how much you spend in all this but really i mean golf is in a good enough spot now where the courses can actually sustain themselves oh really okay the, yeah yeah i mean a hundred a hundred percent a lot of it depends on your budget if you're full with members and you have initiation and all that yes food and beverage is a little different and, and i'll tell you why it's because food you end up most country clubs don't treat their food as a restaurant. It's more as an amenity at a club because a lot of things will be free, like snacks that actually cost money, you know, and you can call them free, call them not. They're built within your dues, but where you just smoke it is on the beverage component. So you're going to lose money mm -hmm. on food. goes without saying. Those massive Sunday Easter brunch buffet, whatever the hell you're doing, that shit costs, you're losing money on that. But when someone is deleting six beers and the beers are five, four, 
four fifty or five a piece, which is about what they are at country clubs, I would guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking munis, country clubs, dude. You're gonna absolutely, you're gonna absolutely smoke it because there's no labor really required to serve someone a Miller Lite, right? I mean, there's no preparation. There's no, it's all canned, ready to rock. Yeah, lick, you know, liquor, things like that. High, that's high volume stuff. People drink liquor on the golf course probably more than beer. You got to have someone mix those drinks, but you can crush it on that. I mean, golf courses are doing better than they ever had right now just because how popular the game is. But you got to have a, you got to be able to sling some booze 100%. That's how, that's how I would say. So our idea here of a rolling leaderboard on the back of the, of the cart girl's cart where she's yeah. just serving up thousands and thousands of dollars worth of booze every day is probably the best way to boost your bottom line if you're a country club. There you go. Yeah, That's well, free advice yeah. from FTP. Well, and it's even easier now, PD, because you know they have Golf Genius or Blue Golf or whatever you have, and the player is responsible f- for putting in their own score, and it can just connect to her cart. So boom, the leaderboard is live the whole entire time. So I mean, if someone's not putting their score in or whatever it is, you know, someone will yell at them, hey, put in your god dang score, but boom, live leaderboard. People can still bet, bet on it, do all those things, and she doesn't have to do anything. She just have to change the leaderboard. There it is. All of a sudden, all of a sudden at your country club, the richest employee is the cart girl after the first year of this. <laughs> wow. I mean, you're talking thousands of bucks and tips probably every couple of days. Yeah. I mean, you get a club with a bunch of degenerates like we've got. Fort Worth is just rich with, there's two or three clubs out here that it's just so much fun to go out there and play golf and drink with the boys. Ridgely, Ridgely is one of them. I love going to Ridgely and you know, playing with those guys because they're more about the good time than the good golf. And that's at this point in my life, so am I. And that's the same with Shady Oaks. Like it's the same way as Ridgely Shady Oaks, same kind of vibe there. So yeah, that's a hell of a deal. Great idea. I don't know. We might have to patent that. That might be something we need to look at. But all right, last thing for this week. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Last thing on the golf side, last thing. We had Grayson, Arch Manning, NIL, booze cart girls situations. This has just gone out of hand like these usually do. Um, last week, last thing this week, what, who you got winning, uh, who you got winning John Deere, who you got winning to live Portland? Oh yeah. Well, we talked about it. We talked about it with Grayson or whatever, but I, I think Webb Simpson, I know he's playing this week. He's Webb Simpson has been back. Like he's got, you know, obviously one of the best caddies in the game working for him, but he's been hurt and Webb it seems like he's a consistent guy. Now, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see if he won a little comeback season. And then that heart, you know, Nick Hardy obviously seems popular because yeah. we talked about it last time. But, I, dude, I like there's the FTP guys. We need to get this guy on Bryce Garnett. I played mini tours with him forever when I was younger. Mm, I love he, Bryce. he seems like a sneaky guy. He sneaks up there. He sneaks up there kind of out of nowhere every now and again and has himself a nice little top five or whatever. Unbelievable ball striker. I like that little mix. Scott Stallings has been playing great shit. Give me those four guys. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I'm on Hardy, Sahith Tigala. I'm buying into the hype this week. I'm buying into the hype. Oh, is he playing again? Sahith. He's good as shit. I think it might be a revenge tour for him this week. But anyway, that's it. This is our first week with two episodes in one week. We're going to try to do this every week for y'all. I don't know if you learned anything. Probably not, but have yourself a day.